Welcome back, everyone, to the Dialogue Options podcast with your ever-faithful hosts, Joel McDonald, that is me, and my very, very good friend, Kyron Morrison. How are you this week? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, no, it's um, it's been a pretty good week. Can't complain. It's uh, I went and saw Book of Mormon on Sunday. Nice. It was very good. If you, Pret- if you... I was gonna say predictably, predictably hilarious. Oh, absolutely! Like I, my face hurt. I it got to the end of the first act, and I, like I, I was just like exhausted already from laughing. It, it seriously. If you love anything that Matt Stone and Trey Parker do, go and see it. It's you will not regret it. It is such a funny show, um, and yeah, it's just great. But uh, yeah, that's that's been. That was probably the most exciting thing that happened to me this week, outside of video games. Um, but in video games, I, I, I saved Hyrule. Nice, so I did, did I. I. Yeah. Wait, no, so, did, I save it? did I save it last week? I don't remember. I think, I think so, yeah. I, 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 mentioned it. I have also saved Hyrule. We have hey, both saved both Hyrule. There. A couple of our friends have as well. Um, I have collected my 120 shrines. Ah, you have? Yep. Did you and get your reward? Yeah. Yeah. Which you you could also get from an amiibo, but whatever. Well, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, uh, uh, yeah, that's fine. It I, was cool. Like, I'm, I still, I'm glad I have it, but you could just a little, give a little tap and get, yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, we are still potentially thinking about maybe doing a uh, little bit of a spoiler cast on it eventually. At some yeah. point. I do have some more fleshed out thoughts now, but I've had time to sit and mull on the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did, I have mentioned to that specific person as well. Um, and they seemed interested, so we we might have to try and tee that up, I think. But uh, should we talk about what else we've been playing this week, Kyron? Sure thing, Joel. Awesome. I reckon I reckon you should kick it off. I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. Um, now, obviously, there's one big glaring thing that we've both been playing over the last <laughs> couple of days, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, but yeah, yeah that's I, like it, the story of like a, a, you know, the episode a couple of weeks ago, this week's yeah, an episode know, right? in a couple of weeks from now. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's going to be definitely in a couple of weeks from now. It's probably going to be an entire episode about Persona. But um, yeah, so uh, I, I, I've played a couple of other little things here and there. Um, I picked up this game, uh, a mobile game called Ticket to Earth. Um, now, from the title, you may be thinking that it is a space version of the classic board game Ticket to Ride. Uh, it is not. Uh, unfortunately, I would have been okay with that because Ticket to Ride's great. Um, but uh, Ticket to Earth is a... Uh, I nearly said Ticket to Ride then. Um, it's probably going to happen. Uh, Ticket to Earth is a uh, a game I saw at PAX last year in the indie section because uh, it is also developed by a Melbourne studio who I don't have readily available on me. Let me find out. Um, the power of Google, Joel. I know, right? I've got this magical thing in front of me. Harness it. Use its energy. Oh, I can feel it. It's surging through me. Robot Circus. <laughs> so Robot Circus, yeah, they're a Melbourne developer, uh, dev studio. Uh, I think they've done some other stuff as well. But um, basically Ticket to Earth is like if a mix between a match three puzzler and XCOM. Um, that is an interesting yeah. and very weird combination. It is. But I tell you what, it fucking works. Um, now, I've said multiple times... Yeah, on multiple episodes of this show that I am not very good at turn-based RPG. I turn-based like strategy RPG sort of um, squad combat sort of things. Um, 
but I am a sucker for a match three puzzler. Um, so the way that it plays is it's it's kind of like there's a, another mobile game called Dungeon Raid, which basically has you. It's like a dungeon crawler essentially, but like each level is like you drag as far as you can, like on certain icons, um, and it'll like power up certain things. So if you drag the sword, that'll, that'll attack. If you drag the shield, it'll add to your like shield ability. And uh, if you drag hearts you'll heal and coins will give you currency um it was a great game um i played quite a lot of that of dungeon raid um your housemate got me onto it actually i remember back in the day back when he had an iphone as well i'm pretty sure Um, the iphone days yeah so like we i I remember we both played a lot of that and um it was it was a fun little like arcadey sort of dungeon crawler match three smash up of a game um so this sort of takes the gameplay of that and mixed and throws in like a uh, like a turn-based strategy like combat game so basically the game is laid out on like a grid sort of thing and you've got certain there's four different colored um tiles um that there's like a fist one there's like an eye one there's two other, there's a green one and a red one um and they all have different abilities as well so basically what you do is you move your character around the board by dragging and creating a path through like connecting tiles and they can connect um like up down left right and diagonally as well so you can sort of make a big path around um so you do that to move around the board um and it also to power up your abilities and your attack because obviously uh with the however many spaces you travel over that gives you more like ap basically and gives you a stronger attack that's, that's an interesting way of doing it, by the way. Like it is. It's normally really it, would be, cool. it would be the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. So you would, yeah. So like, obviously, so you could move like one step, but like to, to get near an enemy, but like, um, you won't be strong enough to do a like a like a devastating attack essentially. So if you manage to sort of make a path around and then come back, sort of loop around or whatever, and come back behind them or whatever, you can gather more attack power so you can deal a, a, a higher heavier attack essentially um it's got a, a fleshed out storyline through it as well uh this is it's worth noting as well this is episode one um of i think four they're planning to have out i don't know what the exact release schedule is but i think they're they're trying to get it all out it seems that they had a, a build of it running at pax east um and people that were there were playing this is from the developer on one of the forums i was reading um the developers there had uh people playing levels from episode two and maybe even a little bit from further on so episode two seems like it's almost finished and it, like they're already heavily at work on three and four um the basic storyline is that uh you're on this planet i can't remember off the top of my head as well um and everyone's sort of moved there to sort of be, it's like a mining colony um and people are trying to get back to earth to obviously like go home but the ticket prices to get back to earth are exorbitant and just <sighs> that's how they get expensive. you exactly so people can't afford to go back uh, basically what happens at the start of the game is someone turns all the sort of like worker help robots against the population uh, and basically wipe out the population like except for like one percent of people um and who are all trying to get back to earth um and you as sort of i think you're like a farmer uh the 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 one character you start off as because there are more characters that you you as you go along and i think you you eventually i'm assuming you'll get to a point where you can squad up and have like multiple characters um at the moment it's like one character against like enemies on a one grid board um but i would not be surprised if it's like there's like a um like a squad up 
section where you have to like team up with this other person because at the moment these two people are separated um the first chapter of this episode was one character and now into the second uh, chapter and it's like this other character um and yeah so yeah like i said basic you move around the grid to to power up your weapons and you've got like abilities as well and skill trees that you can uh collect currency on the boards and um build out a skill tree uh and get new ability you can buy new abilities as well and like mix up your abilities depending on what kind of enemy you're fighting against whether it be robots or like mutants or humans um and they've all got like status effects as well like burning and poison and all this sort of stuff it's super it's actually really in depth uh the more you get into it but it's still really approachable for someone like me who doesn't like that sort of sort of game um uh it's pretty tough uh it's kicked my ass a couple of times uh but yeah, it's, so it's out on iOS at the moment. It just launched, I think, this week or last week on iOS. Um, and I think it's coming to PC soon, I want to say. Um, and I, I would assume Android as well at some point as well. Uh, it's I think it'll run you... How much did I pay for it? I think I paid like $6 for it. Um, and once you buy that, you get all four episodes. It's not like you buy this episode and you have to buy the next episode. It's like you get that... And you, you, you have all of the game when they release it in updates. Um, they have said too, and I've seen this with a couple of other um, iOS games. Uh, there's a game called Wayward Souls that does this, which, I'll, yeah, it's a really great sort of like top-down dungeon crawler with sort of almost Souls-like uh, combat. Like you've got to be really strategic and like planning your attacks and learning attack patterns. Um, that's really great as well, but it also had this same sort of payment model. Every time they release a new update, so like an, in this case a new episode, the price goes up a bit. So if you jump in now and play this first episode and then you have to wait a little bit, you've bought it cheaper, but you get all these updates in the future. Um, so kind of like the more, the justified version of what Konami just did to Super Bowl Man R. Yeah, well, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, I, I kind of like that in terms of this. It's 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 almost like early access, but not really because the game is finished. But yeah. it's just this, this certain chunk of the game. Um, but it's it's really cool. Like I really recommend it. I actually I suggested it to your to your housemate to to try and check out, hoping that it was going to be on PC. But I don't think it is at the moment. Um, but I I think it'd be something he'd really get into. Um, I've put in a few hours into it. Um, I've read some like maybe like one or two hours. Um, I've read some reports of people saying that they finished the first episode in like two hours or so, because um, there's like so, there's normal story missions and then there's like side quests which are called justice missions as well. Um, oh, that's one of the other things as well. So if you draw a path that's ten tiles or more, you it, it'll drop a justice token, and if you pick that up in your path, like eventually in your path before one of the enemies can grab it, um, it'll add to your justice like meter essentially and if that fills up you can unleash an attack that attacks everyone on the board and basically wipes them out in one go so it's like a it's a it's a delete all button basically um i haven't i i I think there's boss fights and stuff in it as well i haven't got to a boss fight yet and i don't know how much damage one of those would do to a boss (laughs) hopefully Um, hopefully a sizable chunk yeah, you yeah. I'm think. hoping it would do a size, of, but I'm also hoping it doesn't like insta kill the boss. Like, oh no, That's I'd like it to still that. have a bit of strategy as well. But um, yeah, you've really got to think about it. You can't just sort of go out willy nilly and just try. You've got to try, uh, like maybe even spend like the first two turns sort of strategically 
avoiding people and like just wandering around the board and powering up certain parts and sort of getting a feel for who you're actually fighting against, what type of enemy, um, and avoiding their attacks as well, obviously. Uh, when you kill an enemy, they drop hearts as well, so you can pick them up, and sometimes they drop coins, so you can pick them up as well, which obviously you can upgrade skills then. Uh, it's a really solid game. Um, I it, it's And on paper, when you look at it, you go, really? Like a, a match three like strategy squad based game like what um but it works and it works well it is very very impressive um and it's a melbourne studio like it's a it's again great australian developers doing some really cool interesting stuff um so i would highly recommend you check it out um don't be turned off by the fact that it is a six dollar ios game um if you're someone like me that does enjoy just sitting on the couch and like or in bed or whatever, or if you have like commutes and stuff that you like playing games, um, you can sort of go through. But it's also good for bite-sized moments as well because um, the levels don't take all that long to get through, um, which is good for an iOS game. But yeah, Ticket to Earth, check it out. Uh, the art style is really cool as well. It's um, really sort of like comic book, but like not like a normal type of comic book. It's not like super over-stylized comic book. It's... um. Yeah, it's it's a really cool art style. I quite like it. It grew on me. I wasn't I wasn't sold on it at first, um, but it grew on me. And really great soundtrack as well. And yeah, I, I'm interested in where the story's going as well, which is strange for an iOS game. Um, it it's serviceable enough. It's not gonna like win any awards, but it's 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 good, uh, especially for a mobile game. But yeah, definitely check that out. But uh, apart from that, that's all I've been really playing this week. Um, yeah, what about you, Kyron? Uh, well, I have a really, a really brief one before we get to the, to the meaty discussion topics from what uh, yes. we've been playing. Yep. So, at long last, finally, <laughs> after three months of what feels like pointless waiting, mm. Nintendo released Super Mario Run on Android. I I must admit, I had a moment where I was like, Fuck, didn't that already come out on Android? I thought it came out like a few weeks ago. Nope. It only, it came out at, like Ooh. the day before Mass Effect. So I downloaded it because, you know, I, I felt obligated. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was just like, cool. So I'll, I'll play like the opening stages and then I'll probably buy the full version. Nah. Didn't grab you? Nah, like I, it's cool. I yeah. like, I can see why you would like how they adapted Mario to touch only auto running but mm-hmm. no nah, i'm good yeah no fair enough like I, I i i think it's sort of it's had its moment had you been able to play it when it came out i think you might have played you might have shelled out the money well, for it and played it when did more. it originally when did it originally come out it was like december like first week of december i was playing final fantasy 15 man no, <laughs> but i mean like you probably would have after you finished 15 you probably would have had a gap there like over christmas at least as well it would have been Last something it would have been something you would have tinkered around with a little bit more. I, I feel I it, it's it's more so. I feel like, and understandably so. You you probably feel like, well, I've waited this long. And I'm like, oh, I, it was I'm over that, it now. that was part of it. Like the long mm. wait, and I'd already basically like I knew what to expect from it. Yeah, exactly. But in, in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe I'll play it, and something will just click, and it it just didn't click. Yeah, it is a it is a well made game. It's good. Um. And I, I don't regret, like I've said before, I don't regret paying the money that I paid for it. And I played it for quite a while. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get I totally get where you're coming from on that. 
Okay, we'll get we'll get Mario Odyssey this year. Yes, yes. Then that'll, that'll be the portable Mario game I've always needed. Ah, there you go. Oh boy. Uh, but what else? That, that's like that's mostly it. That's mostly it. There's there's two two big things. One one slightly smaller than the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Well, big enough, but yeah, not as big as the other. Not as massive. Uh, no. So, so Blizzard obviously timed it almost perfectly. And yeah, well. Knowing, knowing seemingly that this week was the week of Mass Effect, they uh-huh. released Orisa, the newest hero for Overwatch. Yes. Which we jumped in, yep. and we played a, I think, a pretty standard meta game of like our team consisting of six Orisas. Yep. In, yep. in the uh, arcade game mode arcade mode yeah i think the first time i played as orisa my team i was solo queuing and my team was made up of four orisas and two Widowmakers. Um, <laughs> so yeah you know solid team comp there yeah that's that's for team comp that's that's what you have to <laughs> aim for but i mean i i i kind of went into the into her thinking of just she'd be sort of a standard tank but i was surprised by how much i enjoyed playing as her she's really interesting i think she's the first new character that I was like, oh yeah, I feel I I kind of got her straight away. I got her her move set and all her moves because like I mean Anna's pretty like situational based and also if you're good at sniping, yeah, um, that's a big that's a really big caveat for yeah. Anna. And and Sombra the the dip, like the learning curve on Sombra is you've got to spend a lot of time with her to really get all right cool and like knowing in the map like oh this map oh cool I can place my translocator here and then. I'm going to have enough time to go and do a bit of damage and then wind back there. And which I, I, I must praise you. You, you have uh, grabbed hold of that quite well. You play a pretty mean Sombra. I just really like Sombra. <laughs> yeah. I like her as well. I, I like watching you play as her. She's, you're a really good Sombra actually. She's like, very cool. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. Orisa, like it feels, she, she, her, her, her weapon feels good. You feel like you, I felt like I was doing stuff. Um, and that shield's really good. I know it's not very strong, but it's good just to like have that brief moment. It's it's true. It's it's not like it's got. I think it's only got nine. Nine hundred. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But the advantage is the cooldown starts once the shield's been dropped, yep. not once it breaks. So that's always that's a positive as well. So like even if it yep. goes down, you have to wait less time to drop another one. It's good. You can sort of use it if you're like maybe on a hill and you're going up the hill or something like that. You could drop it and then retreat back and still be relatively covered by it. Uh, or some of your teammates could do the same. Yeah. So that's something I noticed. Like Arissa seems to benefit a first of all from having a mercy on her. Like, mm-hmm. yep. And B, like she function seems to function better sort of as a backline tank from what we saw. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's. It's, she's sort of this weird amalgamation of like Zarya and Mercy and Diva, all sort of mashed into one. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's, it's bizarre. Like, and like hearing it said out like loud like that, it is weird. But that's yeah, sort of the best way to describe her, I guess. Because like her her guns feel like, and there was a patch that just got uh, put up that slows her movement while she's firing a gun now as well, which sort of makes up. sense. Yep, it, it did feel sense. weird that she had such free reign as she was oh, walking yeah. and shooting. Yeah, uh, so she's a bit more like Diva now, um, and uh, but like yeah, so like she had her, her weapons, her guns, kind of like Divas um, with, with actual range on it. Yeah, well that too. Yeah, but it's also like as a fucking... as a result, like it's got a mag as well. Diva can fire forever. Yeah, yeah. but but they clip size the reload. 
Arisa's clip size is pretty pretty decent though. You could yeah. you can go for a fair while, but it's like yeah, one fifty it bolts, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a lot, and um, the rate of fire on it's pretty good as well. This, but I mean, obviously the trade off there is her reload's pretty slow. Yeah, it is. Um, so you, you gotta be careful when you're getting low in the mag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's good though. Like that that's that's good balancing. That's like, oh yeah. This gun has decent range. It does decent damage. It's got a heavy clip, but it's going to take you a little while to reload. And so you can't just sort of stand in the middle of a... You can't just do a roadhog and stand in the middle and just fucking go, oh, I'm going to heal now or I'm going to reload sort of thing. Um, but yeah, then also her... Uh, oh, what was I going to say? I can't even remember now. Her ult's very much like um, like Mercy's damage boost. Um, yeah. But for everyone in the vicinity... And importantly, can be taken out as well. It can, and can be hacked as well. I saw it being can, hacked. Can it be hacked? I saw one in at the end of a match the other day that had the sombra icon over the top of it. That's, that's really interesting. If it can be so, hacked, I don't know if it, that that meant, that meant the the enemy team hacked their own, so it couldn't be hacked as well. But the fact of the matter is, I saw it, it had the the, the sombra skull icon over the top of it. So um, it seems like it can be hacked, which is very interesting. Um. And oh, what was the other character I said she was like? Diva, Z- Mercy. Zarya? And Zarya. Oh, yeah, because she has a little, like, um, like Zarya's ult, but a very mu- a much smaller version and a much quicker version, um, which is cool as well to sort of, like, quickly pull people off. Um, and I-, I have heard of tales of people using it to sort of get environmental kills with it as well. So uh, I'm sure if you're good enough with it, you could probably get some decent environmental kills. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some, like, immediately after Arisa was released, a guy was posting on a forum, and it was just, he was just like, so with my my very first right-click as Arisa, (laughs) I got a multi-kill, and it was on Volskaya Industries on defense, under the gate, like, looking out. Yep. And um, there was that, the open, basically the the dead, the death zone, when you fall off the edge over that side, and it was just, the hapless attackers come strolling out, and he pops it off the gap and just drags like two or three of them off and they fall to their death. And he was just like, that's a good, that's a good first right click. Like yep. that's, that's it's a, a good, good introduction start. to a reset. Yeah. Um, Granted that was probably luck more than anything because I haven't managed to pull that sort of thing off. Oh, I tried on that specific map in that exact, in that exact spot as well. I tried, I couldn't, I couldn't quite get it. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like her. I like her character design as well. She's a, uh, Interesting little... A uh, robot centaur. Yeah, yeah. It's just really cool. It's really cool. And her skins are really cool. I like her emotes. I like her voice lines. She um, is Overwatch's Baymax in a way. Yes, she is. Very much so. Um, and uh, yeah, I quite like her. I'm, I'm, I'm eventually when we inevitably go back to Overwatch again in the in the, the weeks down oh, the track. Boy. Eventually. Um, yeah, eventually we will go back to it, but it's probably not going to be for a little while now. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely, and it'll be good too because then obviously the um, the hype around her will have settled, and people might not be playing as her as much. Well, because that's the thing. Like, if you it. can get an Arissa into a one-on-one, like there are characters that will just destroy her. Oh yeah, I I was playing a, a mystery brawl. We respawn as a new character every time you respawn. And um, I spawned in as a Widowmaker, and uh, it was on Dorado, and it was right at the start. Um, I think that's what I spawned in first as was, was Widowmaker, and I got into my little perch up the top, and I was like, all right, cool. 
uh, and I saw an Orisa down the bottom, and I basically took her out with two and a half charged shots. Um, yeah. So she's got a lot of hit points, but you can you can take him out if you're if you because she's a big target basically as well because she's yeah. a tank. It it pays to have a, a healer on her. I feel mm, absolutely yeah. Maybe even like a, specifically a mercy. I think is probably a good thing because you can damage booster as well. Um, yeah, well, I mean, mercy's just straight up good for that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and she like, yeah, mercy and any tank is always good. But yeah, specifically Arisa is, is a good call. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like her. I'm hoping we get like a short for her or something like that. Well, so, based on the leaks, like May's short is May's next. next, yeah. And I don't know when that's going to come. There's no real. It's going to come in May. You'll see. Oh, of course it will. That's that's, that's the one year anniversary of Overwatch. And if it does, if it doesn't come, then then it will probably come before then, and we'll get another short then. Because I I have to think that Bliss is doing something for that. Like, surely they're doing something. It's one whole year. Yes, but anyway, there is one big game that we have both been playing this week, Karen. We've been sinking our teeth into. And that, of course, is Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh boy, lots of lots of feelings about this game. Yeah, I mean, from the second it was available on EA's early access thing for like mm-hmm. Origin access subscribers or whatever the heck they call their give us extra money service yeah yeah access yeah yeah, access that's the one uh ever since that kind of people got hands on with that it was it was it was shaky it was rough there was some (laughs) there was some concerning things coming out of those early impressions so it's like first Mm -hmm. was it first 10 hours they could play i can't remember i think yeah first 10 like you got to play for 10 hours but yeah it, it it would cap you at a certain point if you you like rushed through story stuff. Yeah. Um, and then multiplayer as well. I'm pretty sure you got a bit of access to. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll give our impressions. And I yes. think I think most I I don't want to speak for both of us, but I I am enjoying it. Mm-hmm, me I'm too. liking it. But those rough edges that were on display last week, I mean, they do get a bit better once you get past those opening ten hours. Almost yeah. entirely because you start talking to more aliens. Yeah. And they're generally better off than the the humans are. And also too, like in terms of storyline wise, it's it's you you're over that sort of like exposition dump that you get given in that first yeah. ten hours. So that's definitely one thing that's one problem I have had with the game. Yeah. Uh, uh there's there was nothing so when you first start playing it and you first get to the Nexus, I think I spent like a good hour, hour and a half just talking to people there yeah now I, I love generally you know just engaging in the mass effect universe but it felt like too much especially for like hey i'm the new mass effect game but i'm not part of the trilogy yeah. i was kind of hoping for more of a hey let's let's go on an adventure guys like we're in this new system let's just go out there but especially that- after that opening like because it just throws you into it. Like, the tutorial yeah. is, like, combat. It's like, bang, all right, here we go. Like, Yeah, you're on this planet, go. And you're like, well, yeah. hang on a second. And then you're like, whoa, okay, who, whoa, shit, who are these guys? The cat? Oh, my God. Oh, shit, they're bad, awesome. Like, um, But one thing about that in Canada is really cool. Like, the fact that you can approach that, like, obviously it's going to have the same outcome because they're the cat, but, like, you can walk up to that with the, your hands up. Like, Oh, could and, you? Yeah, I walked. I walked all the way up and got like within like maybe three meters, and then they were like, "Nah, 
bang and they started firing on me. Yeah, I absolutely tried walking up to them and then they mm. started shooting at me because I was just like, look, we're, we're, hey guys, yeah, not peace. We want peace, but they didn't want peace. So I filled them with bullets. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They made that choice. They made that choice. <laughs> Space punch shotgun all the way. Um, but yeah, like that, that, that initial, when you get to the Nexus, it's like, oh cool. Look, this is really awesome. And then after about 15 minutes, you're like, okay, uh, all right. I I, I want to leave, but there's still, still stuff that I need to do here. And you start doing more stuff and it's like, oh, I'm getting bogged down here a little bit and it starts to get yeah. a little bit overwhelming. Um, I kind of would have liked maybe like a quick trip to a Nexus, meet some important characters, maybe get back in the, I mean, to be fair, like you could meet those characters, get back in your ship and fly away. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe it's squarely on me wanting to absorb as much of this game as I can. But like, I think you got it right by saying like, you know, you're, with a Mass Effect game, you're all for trying to absorb yourself in that world. And like when you're trying to do that, and like if it if it you're trying to engage with it, and it's you're sort of losing interest in it. That's not a good sign, especially in those opening hours of a, of a Mass Effect not. game. Yeah, yeah, well, because I mean, it's not exclusive to Mass Effect. I guess you would say for most Bioware games, but yeah, generally I would say the opening hours are really exciting because you get to meet all these cool and interesting characters. Yeah, and it just doesn't happen at the start of Andromeda. Not really. When no. I think about it, like once you get again past those opening areas and you start meeting some of your other crew members, you're like, yep. "Oh, hey, hey, Natalie Dormer, I'm going to talk to you every time <laughs> I get back to the Tempest, and you're never going to have new dialogue, and that's okay. I res- I still respect you. That's fine. That's when yeah. I keep talking to you, and maybe you will. And Eventually, that's when it really yeah. starts to pick up. Mm, absolutely. And like once you start going to like when when you first hit uh, Eos. Um, we're going to be like not super spoilery, but obviously, if you you, you want to play the game and you haven't yet, and you we're going to be talking a little bit about like the opening hours. We don't want to try and just be like that place that you go to and the thing that is there and yeah. all this stuff. Like, um, but like so when you go to to you sort of land on EOS and you sort of walk out and you're like, all right, cool, here we go. And you look at the map and you're like, all right, I'm going to run around here and do all this stuff. But even the way I... that it l- limits you at first. Yeah, I won't lie. When I zoomed that map out, I had like flash, like almost like traumatized flashbacks to uh, Dragon Age Origin, uh, Inquisition. Inquisition, yeah. Inquisition, oh, where yes. I spent, I, where I, I, no joke, like 15 hours in that first zone. It's, it's ridiculous, yeah. And I, w- I honestly regret that because that really soured how much I enjoyed that game in the yep. in the like the grand scope of things so this time around in andromeda at least like i did enough on eos but i didn't do everything i was like no i'm gonna leave because i i remember inquisition and i remember how much i despise <laughs> that game it's uh yeah like that that was a, that was a big problem with that game um was the fact that it was like you know all right when can i leave this area and they're like oh you could have left like seven hours ago like, like oh, what okay i'm now 10 <sighs> levels over again it could potentially be on me and my completionist like all right here's my job list let's go check everything off yep help yeah. you done this done that but that's not that's not a good thing when the game keeps throwing stuff at you to do and like yeah i'll finish that one all right here's another one and another one and another one like surely there should be a point where it's like now nah, you can't do anymore go back and do this side quest now like go that's back the and do story quest i kind of liked how again we're going to be talking about stuff i guess mostly eos i would say yep uh, but i liked on eos when i would hit a point and it's like hey whoa hey level three radiation man turn back yeah. i'm like i guess i'll come back here later yeah. i can come i'm gonna leave eos 
yeah i got really cool excited <laughs> like once once you once you like settle the outpost there and like do what you're supposed to do for that point it says like go away and come back when the radiation's cleared like in the quest marker it's like go back and come back later by the way uh, i'm not sure if you've done it yet but i because i cleared another planet i've gone back there and now it is cleared and i have like free reign of it and it feels so good Oh, that's awesome. I haven't done it yet because I've been, I'm sort of, I'm stuck on like the next planet that I was, I got to. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to do some stuff here. and I'll go back there soon. Um, one thing though, that another pet peeve, uh, that I have, and I know that you share the same pet peeve that I have with this game. Um, speaking of quests is the menus, the multitude of menus. Oh, I tweeted about it last night. Yeah. <laughs> like- at like three in the morning that yep. I'm almost certain I'm going to have nightmares about navigating the convoluted mess of menus that Mass Effect Andromeda has. Oh God. Yeah. It's insane. The quest, the quest menu that like the journal itself is laid out so poorly. I think it's such, it, the way that it handles like something that should be intuitive, like, like marking quests is so dumb. Like you go to journal. And then you go to like, all right, I want to go to side quest. All right, go to side quest. All right, it's on this planet. I need to go to that planet. All right, now I scroll through all the quest. Oh, there it is there. And then you have to back out of everything again. It's just, it's yeah. really counterintuitive. And it's not I, good. I have to say, I mean, I, that does annoy me. But I, in a weird way, I kind of appreciated that when you, as compared to when you open the additional tasks list. Oh, yeah. And it's just this ridiculous list of all your side quests across the galaxy and you're kind of like i'm i'm never going to look at this list so i may oh, not yeah. complete most of this stuff unless you remind me game because i'm not scrolling through 20 quests just to find uh scan three medical supply things on this planet i'm just not I'm not doing it no no can't be bothered like something like as menial as that like i just i don't yeah care. and for a little reward as well it's like that's not worth it um like if you if if it wasn't if it's something that you would come across organically um after a while you might be like oh cool i've done that all right i'll go back and do that but like i'm not going to go out of my way to check them off they're not important to me whatsoever. i guess it is nice when you when you land on the planets it does generally have some marks even for quests that you haven't got active which is nice yeah that's cool like you like there's something over here you're like oh i'll go check that out and then it'll be like no nah, it's too cold and you go all right well i can't go there yeah <laughs> i'll guess, come back yeah. later um but yeah, just about the menu thing, I was talking to a friend of the show, Mr. Broderick Gordes, um, tonight about, uh, before we started recording, um, about this problem. He was asking like opinions on, on Mass Effect, uh, having played it now. Um, and I was saying, yeah, generally positive, but there are, it's rough around the edges. It is a, is a, I've got points to say, but I'll say that shortly. But in terms of the menu system, he said, when I explained it to him, he said, yeah, it must be pretty jarring going from something like, uh, the like quest management of say Breath of the Wild, and then to this where Breath of the Wild's like main quest, shrine quest, side quest, movies, and you're like cool, all right. Uh, and then he was saying too about how like all like the the side quests are like categorized by their location as well, but they're done organically just in that menu. It's already automatically done. You don't have to go to a, a subset menu for that as well. It's like, thank you, man. Yep, it's it's all easy to manage there. Um, there are just yeah. so many things you click through in the Mass Effect menus. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's a bit of a bit of a mess, bit of a jumble mess. Um, but uh, like, I mean, 
I guess we should say some positive things. Is there anything else negative? That Oh, actually, no, there is more negative things we need to sort of address. Yeah, I mean, I just want to echo... Again, I think I said earlier, but I'm going to touch on a bit more. The animation stuff, I mean, yeah. it's... People... I'm trying to think the best way to put it. I, it's not that I, I think that Bioware can do better. I'm going to talk a bit about some of the shifty stuff that EA has sort of done with this later. Yeah. Um, but... It is really jarring. Like I had yeah. a conversation last night when I was talking to someone on the Hyperion, and I was it was weird because I was I was in the conversation camera, which doesn't work in this game, might I add. No. Uh, unless it's like the set like face to face ones; those are generally okay. But like the ones that it it just throws together when you talk to someone just doesn't yeah. work. Like the, the the quote unquote organic yeah. ones. Yeah. Like it's yeah. So organic but I've had camera the characters just walk away from me and like oh, yeah. yell at me off screen. I'm like, I okay, cool. But and, in particular and here's the thing, like if, if you ha- didn't have the subtitles on, you would not be able to hear what that yeah, person was no, saying. You wouldn't. Because no. they're like they're like distant because they've walked away from you and you're like, alright, yep. see you later, dude. Yep. Uh but I was talking to someone on the Hyperion and at first I was like, oh, this is a weird thing because only I had it. But it happened to my housemate who's also playing Mass Effect Andromeda. Yep. Basically, I was talking to someone and it, it was a bit weird because I'm a male writer and I was talking to a, a female. And I was yeah. kind of like, man, my face is sort of about chest high. That doesn't seem right. That's a bit weird. I didn't. I can't alter my height or anything. And I was just like, oh, whatever. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just imagining it. And then the conversation finished and I actually watched the model shrink in front of me and I was oh just like God. not that that really rips me out of the experience out of that conversation yeah and that's that, that's pretty important because I mean with a game like Mass Effect with this like sprawling RPG that um, you you want to try and immerse it, especially in a game that has a character creator that lets you sort of create I guess like you know um, imprint a little piece of yourself into the game has awful beards Awful beards. Awful beards, yeah. I give the beards um, no stars. I well this isn't something interesting though. I, I went default. I went default male rider for this one. Um I even kept his name as Scott as well. Um I didn't change anything. Because here's a little thing. I'm gonna bring up this is my hot take for the episode. Alright. <laughs> here's my little yep. hot take. Alright, later um, on. It's me. not it's not too I mean, it's it could be it's, it's a, it's a luke, lukewarm. Lukewarm yeah. take? Um but I mean, some people might get a, a, a little a little hoity about it. Uh, I'm over character creators in games okay. like this. All right, I'm glad you brought this up because I've been having this discussion as well. Yeah. At a certain point, I just I can see why people like him because yeah. I can see people getting offended because some people really like sitting down and spending a good hour or so making their character. Absolutely, my wife is one of those people. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what that's what what drew her to the original Mass Effect games in the first place. That's yeah. uh, And then obviously once she got there, she was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good game. So, um, or series. So there but, are people that do find that. But I, I think I had the same thought as you. I, I, if this is, because I, I can't help but wonder if the animation system would have been a bit better if it was maybe just one face. Yep. Because the thing is, the, the animations have to be able to like take into account any number of combinations and not, break so yeah um, i don't know if that's is... like adding pressure to it or anything well there was an interesting i don't know if you saw this i should have put the 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 link in our in our notes but um there was uh i think an ex naughty dog dev like character designer that started tweeting about the mass effect stuff 
um, saying that like when there's games like this, it, it, it's not fair to compare something like Mass Effect Andromeda with something like Uncharted 4. Absolutely. Um, I, I do get that. Because he said, but on, on a purely like uh, mechanical level, with something like Uncharted 4, those are all hand-sculpted and also like mo-capped, like facial mo-capped. Yeah, there's um, no variation there. Yeah, whereas with Mass Effect, something like Mass Effect, they are all like done by equations and and like and things like that that are like created like mathematically more so than organically yeah because that's the thing like in the mass effect for example like mass effect once has to have taken into account not only your character's custom design face if you choose to do that but also like there's facial reactions as well for the different tone of answers sometimes as well yep and also too in mass effect 2 like uh, depending on what like if you go Paragon or Renegade, like it, it that that impacts on your character's model as well. Yeah, exactly. Like your physical appearance will be altered. Mm-hmm. Mostly if you go Renegade and get that oh, sweet yeah. scar. Oh hell yeah, Renegade um, for life. Yeah, fucking a. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I I I can't help but feel that like had this not had a character, like I, I'm just I'm. I always go into a character creator with a game. And I always go sit down and, and I go through the, the first few sliders and then I'm just like, I'm bored. I just want to play the fucking game. And then I just leave it and I'm done. So um, I'm saying basically what I've been doing lately is honestly, I only replay sort of with the face. Cause you can usually pick a pretty good default face shape. Yeah. And then I just change the hair and look at the beards and then yep. move on. Like that's, see, that's as far as I go now. And like, I was pretty happy with the default, um, I nearly said default shepherd, default rider for this one. Like it's, um... I called him, I called him shepherd tonight when I was playing the game. <laughs> it's hard not to. Um, yeah. Like the only thing I altered was like my, my training, I think it's called like my base, my basic class, like my base level class. Like I started with. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I changed. Um, and yeah, apart from that, that's about all I, I, I changed in the, in the character creator. I had a look at it and started playing around with things, and I was like, nah, I'm just going to stick you, with default. Did you change your sister's face? Nope. Oh. Nope. So that, that's the scenario for me where I probably would have changed it, just because uh, I really don't like... I mean, I, I edited my sister's face, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But I just... Female, like Sarah Ryder, I... Mm. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I know. I Well, I haven't had to deal with her much yet. I've had one, like... Spoiler, mental conversation with her. Um... And that's it. That was weird, and I don't know if it needed to be there, but whatever. Hey, whatever. I, I stressed her the fuck out. Like <laughs> I dropped bombs on her. I, I was just like, "Dad's dead. Fucking golden planets don't exist." Go fucking <laughs> and, yeah. And she started like having a seizure, and like it's too stressful for her. I'm like, I can't, "Hey, I'm not gonna lie to my sister. I'm gonna fucking tell her the truth." I mean, I told her about the dad thing, but I I at least fluffed up the the planet stuff. Oh, I was like, nah, "Hey, nah." From from my perspective, I was like. Well, we've landed on EOS and I've made it livable, so it's not a complete falsity. Like, yeah, right? yeah, right? but like you but, can live on EOS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or kind of apart from there's the, radiation it, everywhere, but you can live there. It's radiation and it's like a barren fucking Mad Max, and there are cats like, everywhere. Wasteland. But whatever, yeah, like you can fine. live there. It's fine. So I was, I was just twisting the truth a little bit. I feel. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, look, we probably we've we've been pretty down on the game, I guess you could say. But like, and we have sort of not been pretty like relatively vocal in our our concerns for the game leading up to its release but it's having said that i am enjoying the game and like, i think what you said about getting to like past that 10 hour mark is really important um and i, I mean normally with a game you'd go you shouldn't have to sit through like i, I guess to the uh, an extent you should 
argue that it's the same here that you shouldn't have to like sit through 10 hours of i don't like, like to say it but honestly with an rpg sometimes yeah, you do absolutely. it's an rpg yep yeah there's got like especially like with a like this isn't a new ip but it's a new spin-off in that said universe so like, i mean it's it's impossible to ignore the baggage that a new mass effect game is coming into the world with like yeah Mass Effect 3, like, love it or hate it, like, that ending yeah. polarized people. And I liked Mass Effect 3. I don't like the ending still. Like, the, the whole yeah. game is great until, like, the last part, the last little bit. Where it's just I mean, like, I would, I would argue cover. that one of, one of the things I'm going to praise Andromeda for is its gameplay, because I feel like the gameplay was probably one of the weakest points of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, yeah. But I'll, no. I'll get into that when we're, when we're shining a light of praise on it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that's that's what I mean. Like, we should probably get... Like, once you get past that 10-hour, like, point, it does open up and it does start to become its own little thing and it does start to feel a little bit more like a Mass Effect game as well. Absolutely. Um, like, when you're talking to your, your crew and you're like, oh, here's my yep. Solarian, here's my Turian, here's yep. my Krogan. And Krogan, walk- come here oh, and let me hug you. Fucking A. And he's so awesome too. Drax I love him. Great, yeah. Um. Like, and wandering around the Tempest as well, like, wandering around your ship and going, ah, this is mine. Everything's mine. Um, I've and, done okay, ship. so that, while we're talking about the ship, I do want to bring it up as one of the positives. Oh, my God. So it's it's easy to get around. Absolutely, It's, it's yeah. still a little big, but it's not like Mass Effect 2 or 3, where it's like, oh, there's a low screen here. And you're like, it, but it, <sighs> it, 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 it's as big as it feels like it needs to be. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like, like it's just tacked it's, on shit. It, it's functional. It's big enough, but the loading is masked well enough behind most of the doors that you don't notice the loads and that's yeah. that's the most important thing for me it's only a couple of seconds long like you know you yeah. get you're you oh, i gotta wait for a second and i'm through it's okay um yeah so that, that that's a good thing like there are there are there is a good game there it is a good game i think the the high sixes mid sevens that it is getting are justified because that's yeah. not a bad thing when we talked about that last week like absolutely <laughs> it's not a bad thing it is a good game it is it is above average um it's just it's hard coming out in this where it's come out uh, and the year that we've had so far with games yeah re- release placement is tricky when you come out like this like just after the world has just gone is like that this had an, an amazing meal with like Breath of the Wild and Horizon yep. Zero Dawn, yep. and they're getting ready for like Persona, or maybe mm-hmm. they're still playing Near Automata. Mm-hmm. And here comes Mass Effect going, Hey guys, what's up? And you're like, mm. Yeah, yep. and I some like people you. Even, I do like you, and even to an extent, too, some people are still playing, uh, yeah. uh Neo as well. Like, it's like that, that's that's still a thing that's carrying on as well. It's 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 hard, but and I Resi mean, Seven and Gravity Rush 2, and yep. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of quality. Yeah, but it, it is a good game. Um, it is. I've got things to say about what my opinions on it later on because we've got a question that sort of deals with that. So, um, but yeah, you said about the combat. Um, yeah, you, uh, and how it feels a lot better in this game. Absolutely. Um, like, so immediately, I'm I'm biased because I know it's probably the one of the trickier ones to go back and play. But Mass Effect ones focus on exploration. And gunplay sort of being good, but not falling into the category of Uncharted or Gears of War. It's yeah. still sort of here. Like, cover shooting is there. Yeah. But uh, how do you feel about the dynamic cover? I don't... I'm not crazy about it, I'll be honest. Yeah. No, I thought I thought at first, I was like, this is good. But it's just... It's fucked me over so many times. Cause, well, because that's a thing. Like, your health regenerates in cover. And the yeah. game's like, find cover when you're nearly dead. You're like, 
I'm looking. I'm honestly yeah. looking. Game is that cover? Because I walk I up to it and rock. I can't yeah. crouch behind it, and I don't heal, and I die, and it makes me a little bit frustrated. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I mean, I love I love the jump jets. Oh, the, the jump jets are awesome. The way that can change a battle. Well, yep. Just like just even that little bit of maneuverability is incredible, and also I want to bring. I'm not sure you're you're a biotic, aren't you? Yeah, no. So you'll uh, yeah, you're, I know what you're gonna say. You'll know. I like the way the biotics they use their ability to launch themselves instead yep. of using their jump jets. So it's like the purple energy is like they burst forward. Yeah, and, and have you that. seen too with uh, the um yes the uh, tactical cloak one. The tactical cloak one, yeah, because I yeah. saw my wife doing that today, and they, you basically turn invisible when you dash yeah. as well. It's cool. It's very um, cool. For, I for love that feature. For those who don't know, it's basically you, you hit circle and you can dash around, basically. Um, that includes, okay, so like you can do that, and it also blends really, so you can jump into the air with your jump jet and then dash. Yep. And I found out yesterday, as you're dashing backwards, you can like press jump and sort of like dash backwards and up as well, which is kind of oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's there's got a lot of really cool maneuverability in this game. Like uh like being able to like jump into the air and then go into like iron sights of sorts and then you can sort of use your jump jets to hover and sort of steady yourself and aim. It's much like in um say like Breath of the Wild when you're in the air uh and you pull out your bow, you can sort of hover there for a Still second love as that. well. Love that feature. Yeah, it's cool. Um I think it's done better it looks cooler i think in in breath of the wild but i mean the, the slow-mo really helps yeah yeah it, 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 it that sort of like bullet time moment you have yeah it's really it also cool. make it also breaks it a little bit but i love it but yeah, i can yeah, a i bit. can understand it's like you basically get a free shot yeah exactly yeah um but yeah it's really really cool i like being able to have that control like because my main my main tactic is <laughs> space punch shotgun which is uh, using charge to run in and like deal a devastating punch and then shotgun. Uh, if that doesn't work though, or if I do that and then like there are like three more enemies there and I'm like, oh, fuck, I can dash backwards. So it's like bang, bang, it's like dash in, hit, shotgun, dead. Oh, there's enemies back, 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 back. Or like I can drop a grenade and then back, back out as well. Um, feels a little bit like Tracer esque, like throwing down your sticky grenade and then dashing backwards. Um, so. While we're talking about this, actually, I want to ask you, are you using more than one loadout? Uh, not at the moment, because I'm just specking into the ones that I'm using okay. a lot at the moment. Um, I I think down the track, when I, when I find enemies, I'm going to have to start like switching between things and like changing up my tactic. Because at the moment, against the ket, it's like the, the like grunt level ket. It's just like, yeah, space punch works. Incinerate's good and frag grenade. That's what I'm using at the moment. Yeah. Um, Remnants are a bit trickier, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the shotgun works pretty well against them um, at the moment, but I'm I'm expecting that to change soon. So I, I'm rolling basically two main classes that yep. I'm using at the moment, and I, I switch them up based on the enemies I'm encountering, which again is a cool feature. So basically, I should probably explain it. Yeah. Uh, previously in Mass Effect games, you would be strictly limited to your class and be like, hey, you picked this class, here are your abilities. But in Mass Effect Andromeda, they were like, you know what? What if you could be anything yep so you basically you can you can pick your profiles you can save up up to four of them on like a a quick select wheel yep. and each of those profiles you can give three different abilities to and mm-hmm. each profile like buffs things differently so like if you want to be using charge and all that like uh adapt is probably the best profile to use of that because it boosts your biotic abilities which is what i'm pretty much using at the moment yeah but if you're 
also what my class I started as like the infiltrator. So the infiltrator profile worked best. Like it enhances my tactical cloak and like some tech damage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, yeah, I'm rolling an infiltrator with incinerate, overload, and cloak, and oh, nice. an, an adept with pull, throw, and charge. Ah, and nice. It's so much fun to just. So you, you've got a bit like a, like an offensive defensive setup. Yeah. Almost, yeah. That's so cool. I basically, I use my biotic stuff for like the cat because generally they're not shielded so I can sort of throw and pull and charge them pretty easily. Yeah. But for like the remnants, they're usually shielded or they've got armor. So having overload and incinerate helps. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, it's a cool feature. Um, I think it's, and the fact that there's no level cap so you could grind your way and level up everything if you wanted to. Oh yeah. Um, well, that's it because as you spend points in each of those, I think it's, is it oh, combat? biotics and tech, tech. They... yeah yeah so like the profiles will level up and that further increases the buff they offer which is pretty yep. cool as well so it kind of it, it, even if you didn't like spend a lot of time like like managing loadouts and things like that like it, it'll start to shape to the way that you would play the game anyway so how you yeah. go like so if you're someone like me there's this like space punch shotgun all the way like it's going to start to like give you more benefits of using that particular uh technique i guess um it's kind of cool yeah it's look like it does a lot of things the game does a lot of things really well um i'm kind of interested in the story and where it's going um writing's not great um yeah so i met the new race yep which again if you've seen the trailers you know who they are they're the oh god Ang- angua Ang- angova angora yeah angora, angora? I think. Yeah. something like that yeah and I mean, they're interesting, but they're definitely just like Bioware's sort of looking for their tropes and going, what have we got? Uh, okay, these, these are the spiritual race. Yeah. They believe in the soul and resurrection and all that. I mean, um, reincarnation and all this sort of stuff, which is fine. And I have no problems with it. But they're I, the Space Australians. Maybe. Like, I heard, like, they've got some different accents, yeah. so I'm really confused by them. Yeah, there's like Space Australian, New Zealand, South African, English types. Yeah, they cover uh-huh. a lot of bases. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but they've been sort of interesting, but I don't know if, if they're really grabbing me. Yeah, they're they're okay. It's like, early days. Like I, I guess I wasn't judging like Solarians and Krogans and Osiris. Like yeah, it, ten hours in going. Well, these races suck. So I because you had nothing them. to compare it to. That like it's hard going True, on actually, the back foot. So you've got like oh these are cool, but they're definitely no they're not as cool as the Turians. Like you know, um, I guess the closest comparison might be um, Javik in Mass Effect Three, the Prophean. Yeah, true. But even that feels unfair because his importance to the narrative made me interested in him by default by being yeah. the last profi. And I was like, oh, Chavik, you are my best friend. Tell me everything. Yeah, he, yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, like at the, the, like I said, the story's really good and like the side stories are interesting as well. Even the boring characters, like Liam's kind of interesting still. Like yeah. I, in, in terms of being like the the human male, like that's, that, that's like pretty stock standard boring and he's like you know ex-cop but like quit because he didn't want to do that anymore sort of thing he's kind of interesting was that is that was that your backstory was it uh that's kind of what i got from him i haven't really spoken to him a lot um yeah he was like like, it seemed like there was something else the reason why he left there's something else there but i haven't really spoken to him much um but yeah i do like i do like how he he will straight up cut the conversation yeah yeah he's like no we're done. Come back when we when we're better friends. I'm like, oh, okay, Charles. I'm sorry. He also, uh, like Liam, also has like 
one of my like least favorite lines in the game so far which is very early on in the game um when you're first fighting ah. the kit um he basically says something like oh man that kit looked pretty mad probably because i shot him in the face and i'm like oh oh that is not good writing that is awful um and i i have a pretty low low standard for writing and like certain things like that i mean like this is coming from the guy who loves fucking bullet storm like <laughs> like i mean and that game is just like written by a three-year-old in a crayon like it's but I don't know. There's something about a Mass Effect game I expect a little bit. Like Bioware have a bit of a standard, especially when they're storylines and they're writing. I don't uh, want to be too mean, but for Liam personally, Liam and Cora, I already had sort of low expectations because I'm like, oh yeah, ah, these are my human teammates. Yep. Yep. They're, they're fine. They're interesting enough. But I'm, I'm just like, all right, let's meet some Asari. Let's meet the Krogans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as I, as soon as I got my, uh, as soon as I got the, uh, the the Turian and 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 PB the Asari, I'm like, see you guys. These are my team yeah, later. Now. Enjoy um, the bench. <laughs> but having said that, like PB, I fucking love PB, and her her lines are pretty good, uh, and her voice acting is really good as well. I quite like her voice actor. Um, it doesn't feel she feels like there's a lot of personality to her. Um, very similar with Vetra as well, the, um, the Turian. Um, it just seems like the, the humans are like, the humans are, don't seem human. They seem, they seem the most robotic of all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't even get me started on Blade. I'm, What's her name? I'm almost um, certain that the Geth had better emotion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you expected that. Cause they were fucking robots. <laughs> like it's, but, um, but, um, that's what I'm saying. Like they were more engaged. Yeah. Like in it's, this game. it's, it's bullshit. Like what's her name? Fucking. Which one? Addison. Addison. Yeah. She is. My face is tired. Garbage. Like her animations and her voice acting together are probably the worst. Like that I've seen, uh, that I constantly encounter. Um, I really like shout out to, uh, Kumail Nanjali. I think his name is, I can't remember. I, I always butcher his last name, but um, he's a comedian. Um, he's really funny. If you've seen Silicon Valley, you'll be very familiar with his work because he's one of the characters in that. Um, but he plays uh, the, I guess, acting director of the Andromeda Initiative. Um, he's not super popular. No, he's not. But I kind of still like him. Like, he's a dick, but I kind of still like him. Um, yeah, he's he's really cool. He does a really great job, um, and he's he his voice really suits that Solarian uh, tone, I guess. Um, so I quite like him. He's one of my favorites as well. I mean, oh. I, don't need to, I don't I don't need to say who my favorite is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Karen, we know, we know. It's uh, but, uh, Miss Lexi the Asari, but um, yeah, alas, yes. not to be. No, unfortunately, she's got an obsession with the Krogan, doesn't she? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Drax a cool dude. He's pretty cool. I do like him. Um, he calls me kid. It's fine. He, I love that. It's like, do, do you call everyone yeah. a kid? <laughs> it's like, pretty much, yeah. Um, I'll cop it. Yep. It's like, yeah, fair enough. And then, like, it happened, like, he called someone else kid later on, and I was like, it just, I had a little slight chuckle with myself. I was like, <laughs> he really does call everyone kid. It is, it is everyone. Everyone that's younger than him, which is basically everyone. Everyone, yeah. Um uh, anything else you want? I've got some more stuff to say about Mass Effect, but it's going to relate back to our question that we've got for this week. So, I mean, the other thing that I want to bring up, which I'm not sure if anyone else really cares, mm. uh, but I'm really digging the soundtrack. Yeah, it's good. It's on Spotify as well, and yeah, I just been just been chilling out to it. It's, it's really nice. I it's like got it. that. It has like those those like Mass Effect musical references in it as well. Like, um, and again, the soundtrack feels much more like Mass Effect One as well. Which oh I'm, yeah, yeah. I didn't play more sy- more synth. 
Yeah, that really sort of like that sort of 80s space sci-fi, like a space opera vibe to it. Mm. Like borderline like cyberpunk-y kind of as well. Um, That's that's, that's the gist of it. Like I'm really digging it. Stories, it's it's hooks are in me now. The gameplay is fun. It's just it's every now and again there's like an animation thing that rips me out or like yeah. a bad piece of doll. Like I'm like, oh really? But it's yep. it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I am too. I am enjoying it as well. It's a shame it's probably not going to appear on any of. I don't. I could. I could probably safely say for the both of us, either of our lists come the end of the year, unless um, something disastrous happens. Probably not. But no, again, it's no. just 2017 is not fair. It's, it's, it's not hard. a fair year. It's going to be. I'm dreading the end of the year for that. That that uh, that episode is going to be rough. Um, but yeah, I am enjoying it. Um, even if it is a little rough around the edges, it's a shame I'm going to neglect it completely in about a week's time. <laughs> it had a good run, and I'll yeah, I'm I'm going to try and finish it. But I've got I've got a a, a Dark Souls size yep. distraction on like Tuesday night. Oh yeah. So that'll probably knock me off for about a day or two, maybe. Yeah, how it goes. So we'll see. Um, but I'm going to try and finish it before before Persona. Yeah, I would like to say a little bit about the multiplayer, but I uh, I played two games and I <laughs> had a hard crash in both of those games. Kicked a uh, kicked a dashboard. So I'm like, well, fuck you, multiplayer. I'm not going to play you then for a while. Yeah, um, I played some multiplayer. I didn't get kicked. It wasn't a good idea to play it when I did because I was like, I got killed a lot because oh, yeah. I didn't know who any of his enemies were. And yeah. I feel like, because it has the same sort of movement as the single player, and it didn't... Again, yeah. maybe it was just early impressions, but the, the maps didn't feel like they it worked with it. Like, I was trying yeah. to dodge and be evasive, and I was like, no, nope, there's an abstraction there and an obstruction there, and I'm, I'm they were still They were still felt like Mass Effect 3 multiplayer maps. That's what they feel yeah. like. Yeah. And, that's, and I feel like it's a good thing for Mass Effect Three multiplayer because it, it was good, and I, I think we we remember it quite fondly because I think it was one of the first multiplayer games that we all played online consistently we played for a lot, so much of it. Yeah, um, which is strange because like you wouldn't expect Mass Effect to be something that you would play a lot of multiplayer wise, but it was sort of the game that opened us up to playing online, even as garbage as it was. Um, their online infrastructure was pretty terrible. Uh, but I mean, yeah. PS3 didn't help. Oh, God, no. No, absolutely not. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I'll i probably have a bit more of it. I'm probably going to play a little bit over the week, I would say, here and there. Um, I mean, I'll after Persona, I'll come back to multiplayer for sure. Yes. All right. Anything else about Mass Effect before we move on? No, I think that just about wraps it up for me. Yeah, I think so for me as well. Like I said, I've got some more to say, but we'll deal with that a little bit later in the show. Uh, cool. All right. Let's kick into some news, Kyron. Uh, and I'm going to let you take this first one because this directly can, uh, uh, affects you. It does. It's mm. a story that we were discussing last week. Yes, we were. Uh, so, hey guys, guess what? Outlast 2 is actually getting released in Australia. It yeah. has received an R18 plus rating. Okay. Good. What is less good and probably the most confusing is we don't quite know if it's cut or uncut. Yeah. So the story goes that they resubmitted it and the classification board was like, hey, cool, R18. And everyone's like, oh, is it edited? And we got, we've basically got two different sort of statements here and it's yeah. hard to know. The board says that it was a modified version according yep. to a report posted by Kotaku Australia. Mm-hmm. But Red Barrel's 
PR said that the scene in question was included in the Australian version of the game, and that and that yeah, and one version would be released worldwide. So there's only going to be one version of Outlast Two, and yep. PR is saying the scene is in the game, but the board says it was edited. So it's a really confusing situation. So maybe it's something to do with like I don't know the character models might not be as sexualized like they might because it sounded like they they had like bits you know if that makes sense like that were on display. I mean, if you played Outlast one, you... okay, all right. So then then clearly it sounds like that they were they had they had they had sexual organs that were on display. So maybe they've toned that back a little bit. Maybe, maybe. Little bit it's just. It's obvious. weird because I mean that still counts as modified for me. Yeah, it's, I guess it's weird but, to hear to hear one message from Red Barrel saying that you know one version of a game worldwide and have the board go no nah, it's edited. It's like well, well maybe maybe they took this as, as criticism as like all right maybe we do need to tone this back for the whole game. Like maybe maybe we overstep the mark. Maybe other people even if it's not going to be restricted in their countries might get a little turned off by it. Uh, and that could be a bad thing for them in in terms of like sales of the game. Maybe, and it's it's interesting to consider that. Mm. I basically what I want is like some sort of straight answer. Again, maybe we'll get yeah. one this week when when you know it's it's a weekend right now, and this came out really late last week. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So they're probably happy to let it sit until next week, but it's just been the internet's been confused. I saw some people on my, in my Twitter feed who were excited. That it was, it was like yes, it's classified R eighteen, and that was back when they believed it was unedited, and they were like excellent, uncensored. But then this came out, and they were kind of like, well, now I, I'm confused, and I honestly just want a straight answer more than anything. I'm- yeah, <laughs> that's it's 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 like yeah, it's like yeah, we're getting two different sides of the story here, and it's they're not they're not connecting with each other all that well. So it would be good to get like a straight answer from everyone. I mean, involved. Maybe. I, I, it seems clear that it's going to be edited. Like based yeah. on what the board said last last time it was we were talking about it, it didn't seem like Red Barrels was going to be able to get that past him. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seemed pretty full on. And I remember reading it. I read it live basically on the podcast last week, and I was like, "Oh, okay." It's confronting. It's full on. Um, so yeah, I mean that scene that that stuff still has the ability to be confronting and impactful. Uh, maybe they just needed to dial it back just a little bit, yeah. To get it passed, and um, so it's, that it might is, be it, better for the retro, for the for the um, like on, on all fronts, it might be better. Yeah, it, it could be the case that it it is going to be one version worldwide, and there's like a minor edit that they're going to apply to all versions. Mm. I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be handy. Um, but I mean, I guess, like you said, I th- we'll probably hopefully hear something this week about it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm willing to bet that it's been modified. It just, yeah. It's just, it's just been a, it's been a weird. This the saga of Outlast Two has been a strange one thus far. Yeah, it's um, yeah, strange. Especially because it's it's getting a physical release as well. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. I mean, that last one sort of took the internet by storm. It was a big hit with streamers and YouTubers around the world. Like it, uh, and people who watched said streamers and YouTubers. Like uh, um. Everyone that when that game came out was playing that game, and that's I guess what thrust that game into the public eye more so than it would have had. So, um, yeah, they know there's money there to be made, so maybe that's why they've they've decided to turn it back. Who knows? We don't know. 
we won't know until they say something about it, hopefully. If they say anything about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They might just be like, no, nah, fucking deal with it. Yeah. This is how it is. I guess at the latest, we'll find out when the game releases in April. Exactly, right? yeah. At the very <laughs> latest, you, you'll know, we'll have a report from Kyra when he's played the game, because we all know that you're going to play it, So, and I will not. So, I definitely am going to play it, but it depends on how busy April is. Uh, That's true. There's a, there's a pretty big slate of really compelling indie games coming out in April. Yeah, and also, like, I mean, I know it's a re-release, but Mario Kart 8's coming out in April as well. And I'll probably want to catch up on Horizon. Oh, God yeah. Horizon. Hopefully, I'll, I'll, tr- I'll try. I'll try. Fucking near Automata. But anyway. Oh, boy. What have we got next, guy? Ooh. The next one actually concerns you more than anyone. This is, yeah, this one directly concerns me because it has happened to me. Uh, so, uh, Nintendo have confirmed that the left Joy-Con sync issues uh, were a manufacturing variation. Uh, and they're now fixed at their factories for, from the uh, the base level, basically. So they've said that, yeah, there was a select, like, uh, batch of left Joy-Cons that were causing problems for people. Um, obviously, people had said that at launch. Like, some people were affected by it. Others were not. I was one of those people um, that affected me. It didn't affect me too badly, but, uh, yeah, enough that I noticed it quite a lot. Um yeah, basically they have said, um, the Nintendo America have said that the issue has been caused by a manufacturing variation, which has resulted in wireless interference with a small number of the left Joy-Con. Uh, they have said that the issue has been all uh, has been fixed and all future batches of the controller won't suffer the same issues. This is from an article on Vux, um, the uh, Australian uh, Nintendo expert. So, um, <laughs> basically, yeah, it's... Um, uh, from what I've read, there's like they're basically putting in like a tiny little square piece of foam, of black foam, and that apparently fixes the problem. That's so weird. But again, I don't understand the the, the fine workings of this particular device. So maybe that's it. Yep. It's just a weird fix. It's a weird fix. So I'm I'm gonna I have I'm gonna send an email or contact Nintendo and um, see if I can get mine fixed, especially now that I've I've finished. Uh, Breath of the Wild, so and I'm not really playing a whole lot on my Switch at the moment until because I can't really afford to buy something like Shovel Knight or anything like that, unfortunately. Uh, and I've got Persona next week, so I don't really need to. Um, but it will probably my Switch will sort of sit there for a little bit while um or my wife will play it um until Mario Kart 8 comes out. So um, the full statement from Nintendo goes as follows: "Quote: There is no design issue with the Joy-Con controllers, and no widespread proactive repair or replacement effort is underway. A manufacturing variation has resulted in wireless interference with a small number of the left Joy-Con. Moving forward, this will not be an issue as the manufacturing variation has been addressed and corrected at the factory level. We have determined a simple fix can be made to any affected Joy-Con to improve their connectivity." There are other reasons consumers may be experiencing wireless interference. Uh, we are asking consumers to contact our customer support team so we can help them. And then, yeah, basically a bit of information there, end quote. Um, yeah, so hopefully I can get mine fixed. Um, it seems like they're being pretty cool about it. Uh, and like you said, when when you got your Wii U, your gamepad wasn't working properly and you got Oh, it boy. Yeah, like so, I got my gamepad, and I think it was the left shoulder button or the right shoulder button just mm-hmm. didn't work. Yep. But uh, I got in the got in the phone Nintendo Australia, uh, sent it off to them, and like had it back in like a week. New gamepad, no problems. So they're pretty, they're pretty good. Hopefully, they're still as good as they were. But yeah, at hopefully. that point, they were pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like I mean, 
they say it's a small number of, but I mean, there were quite a lot of switches sold. So right. a small number is still quite a lot, but it is probably in terms of like, um, like that's a lot smaller number than, than say like, I mean, they, they say a small number, but I feel like I've heard a lot of people complaining about it. So I don't know. I can't speak for it because honestly I've been using the pro controller. Yeah. Well, so it hasn't, hasn't been something I've been exposed to, but I have heard a lot of people having issues with it. So that's true. I don't know. Well, if they're but, willing to fix it, that's yeah. totally fine by me. Yeah, no problems. And if it's been no. corrected going forward, no issues. Yeah, exactly. So I just thought we'd touch on that, that there is a yeah. confirmed I mean, fix for it out these there. These things happen. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I can't it's... imagine it's easy to like orchestrate the mass production of a new console and get oh, it out God, there. No. God, no. I mean, they're starting their second production run now. They're starting to ship out it's exciting. America there or everywhere. But Because, um, I mean, they're pretty easy, to, relatively easy to find in Australia, from what I can see. Um. Maybe like I know that where personally I know there's some more switches coming in where uh, in my area. Yep, like there's some more on order. I feel so like I've seen one or two on on shelves here and there, but like I mean that could just be could just be me. But like yeah, there that like that second shipment's starting to come in, so we'll get a whole bunch of more switches out in the wild. We'll see how the they, numbers how are they sounding positive so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um and good, good news. Reggie was teasing a big E3, so we'll oh, see what happens. I guess E3 is going to be a killer this year. You know, Microsoft's going to come out the gate with Scorpio. Sony have got like a whole bunch of stuff that they could still talk about. All Sony's going to drop is like another a decent like gameplay demo for the Seven remake, and ah, oh, jeez. Oh yeah, and then like oh. follow it up with God of War stuff, like maybe in, like a, a vague announce, like a, a release window, even like who knows. And and for Nintendo, like all they've got to do is like whisper Metroid into my ear. Yeah, and... just mention Samus's name, and then we'll just we'll be in, and I'll. I'll just... I don't know what's going to happen. I'll probably just collapse um, in shock. Uh, our friend, again, friend of the show, Brod, uh, said to us, he he wants us to do like a like a Reacts video, like we should watch it and film ourselves watching it. Um, because if that happens, he, he wants to be able to relive like the expression on your face. <laughs> um, it's going to... I don't have... I, can't, I, I don't even know what the expression is going to be. I don't know if there's a level of joy my face can... <laughs> accurately portray you'll just if, go if like they, completely deadpan it'll just be nothing because you'll be, just be stunned i'll be shocked yeah. i'll be i'll be stunned if they like cause i'm being i've been negative about it obviously there's a metroid being cooked up at nintendo oh, because yeah. it's one of their big franchises but it just seems like they don't care and if i hear that name out of their mouths i'll be like <gasps> you remember yep you remember the Metroid of Metroidvania, which every game seems to want to be if it's an indie game these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. It's no, just, it's, it's, my, not, it's one of my favorite genres. Exactly. It's not a bad thing. And there's some really great ones out there. Like, you know, I mean, Shovel it just means technically, you could argue. Uh, it's definitely got some inspiration. Inspiration but there. But yeah, I mean, like things like Axiom Verge as well. Axiom Verge is the one I think of. It just... Mm. The only downside is it means I'm especially critical. I'm like, oh, Metroidvania, huh? Let's see how <laughs> like, that goes. Where does it sit on the like, like, like Super Metroid is the benchmark. It's like, where does it sit in comparison like, to Super Metroid? It's like, can like Super Metroid and then Symphony of the Night are like yeah. one, two, it's like bang, it's like, bang. Where do yeah, they these, sit in relation? Is, I'm not expecting them to beat that, but I just honestly I can't help but hold that game up like whatever game it is and be like, all right, so this is Symphony of the Night and this is Super Metroid. Let's see how you compare, and it, it, it's probably unfair, but I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. I love most of them, honestly. It's just sometimes they get the backtracking a little wrong, and it really really grates on me sometimes. Just the little the little details, the little things. It is. It's like yeah. the little things where it's like, you're so close, but yep. you, you just missed this one thing, and it 
It stings a bit. Yes. Alrighty. Well, speaking of things that sting a little bit, um, that was my segue there. Um, I'm sure I mean, it doesn't. Are, it doesn't sting us, but it's going to sting some sting execs. Us, yeah, <laughs> there's going to be some execs and some people who probably lost their jobs over the next two news articles that are very similar in in nature uh, and have a common uh, link to them as well. I guess you'd say. So um, we should probably start with a more official one because it's got some yeah. verification. Yeah. Which so, is the. Uh, the Destiny one, Joel. The Destiny, Destiny. one. So, uh, there has been a poster leaked online. Um, from It was like a Spanish game store, I think. I think it's in like Spanish. Uh, Italian. Retail. Italian. There we are. Thank you. Um, I was just going off the, my memory of like looking at the poster. Um, <laughs> a poster for Destiny 2 uh, with a September release? Uh, yeah, September 8th. Yeah. September 8th. So, that's really close um like in the grand scheme of things from going from a like we us not knowing that the gaming or we knew the game existed in some shape or form but like no official announcement on it or anything to yeah potentially having a september 8th release um apparently it's all legit uh it all the poster also mentioned the fact that it's going to be on uh ps4 xbox one and pc so destiny will be making the jump to the master race um that, that, that's just you know I'm just going by what everyone says. That's I'm not I'm not saying yay or nay to people. Uh, you've, you've, you've opened up that you've opened up Pandora's box I, now, Joel. Yeah, so you enjoy says, that. Says he who sits here on his on his like like two year old laptop, three year old laptop. That's like I can play games on this. Um, it's 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 my podcast machine. That's what it's for. So yeah, it's worth it's probably job. it's probably worth noting that the the reason we say it's sort of verified is like Kotaku's Jason Schreier. Yeah. Shreya, Shreya, Shreya. Thank you, Shreya. He is. Um. He seems pretty confident that it's legit, and he yeah. believes it'll be revealed soon. Yep. So, which makes sense. It, yeah, they've got that big event they're leading into now. Yeah, which is their, their Age of Triumph, I think. Which is basically them. It's like looking back at like the greatest hits of Destiny, like the first years of Destiny. You can get some pretty sweet raid gear for like all the mm. all the raids. It's been. Light leveled up to the end game. Yeah, and you can go back and do like Vault of Glass again. I think, can't you? Yeah, they've opened the Vault of Glass again, which is cool because, like, we—I mean, we—you got to do some of the raids, but I never got to do any raiding. I, so I did like two hours of King's, not King's Fall, yeah, King's Fall from yeah, yep, the most the recent Taken one. And King, it was, yeah. oh man, it was so cool. So much interesting stuff in the raids that I wish I could. Yeah. Or gonna... Hey, Destiny 2. That'll be our chance. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump back into Destiny 2. Because, like, honestly, I had a lot of fun with Destiny. We had a lot of fun with Destiny. Now, I got my PS4 because of Destiny. Like, it's... Uh, and Look, the game no one, controls No one's disputing. So well. Bungie is king at, like, minute-to-minute FPS gameplay. They oh, just had that yeah. down. Nothing... It wasn't a point in, in Destiny when I'm pulling that trigger going... This is boring. I'm just like, no, yeah, this is so much fun. These guns fun. are great. I've got these cool abilities. I look awesome. I've got great armor. Yep. All that was fine. It was just the it world just ran that out we're too quickly. In, yeah, and the world that I was in, I just didn't care about because they didn't give me enough information that I didn't have to go to an extra website to look at. Ugh. So um, let's hope they fix that this time around. Um, but yeah, that should be interesting. Like, well, as you can tell, we're probably both going to jump back into Destiny 2, depending on when it, if it is September 8th. I don't know what's coming out around then. Generally, September's okay. Yeah. Who knows? Like, the, the the usual video game schedule I used to was, like, completely trash. It's so all over. Knows? I mean, like, March used to be... Like, like, February, March used to be, like, dead zone. They were the, the pile of shame months. Yeah, exactly. And now... Okay. Fucking Backlog. Look at, 
look at March. I mean, we've spoken already in great length about how great March was this year, but and also terrifying. But um, <sighs> yeah, so that's pretty much all the info we have about that at the moment. But yeah, yeah we, like- we should have some more info soon by the sounds of it. Um, and now this is out in the world, uh, apart from some, uh, maybe a few people losing their jobs, um, they uh, we might hear about it very soon. I would say towards the end of maybe this event that they're doing at the moment. That would yeah, be my I, bet. Well, if the event starts this week, I'm pretty sure. I think it yeah. runs for about a month maybe. Don't quote me on that because I don't actually have Destiny installed. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it is close to the end of the event as like yeah. a... It's a final like hurrah to Destiny One. This is this is essentially the um, the what's it called like the victory lap of Destiny. The swan song. Yeah, yeah. This is this is it for it, which is cool. I I like that they're doing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, but that's not the only big uh, leak that's come out this week. Um, again, in Activision's uh, camp. It has been leaked online, potentially, that the next Call of Duty game is going back to its roots in World War II. Um, now, Joel, you didn't read the rumoured name. Uh, where did I read the rumoured name? Like it, it, because the rumoured name is apparently Call of Duty WW2. Uh, okay. All right. Yep. Because um, I get what they're going for. Yeah. Somehow I feel like Battlefield 1 got away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, mm. It's like, hey, we're Battlefield, we're in World War 1. And it kind of makes Battlefield sense. Battlefield 1. It kind of, if it is true, it kind of makes sense for Call of Duty because then they had like MW2 as well for Modern Warfare. So they're going back to their WW2. roots. WW2. Um, but yeah, um, there's not a lot. There's been some like some steelbook, concept steelbook art. Uh, and a poster as well. Uh, looks like, yeah, we're going back in time. We're going full circle. So the the images that popped up came from a YouTuber called The Family Video Gamers. He basically posted a video with all this leaked marketing, concept marketing artwork. Yeah. And it basically insinuates that it's being developed by Sledgehammer Games and will take place during World War Two. Mm-hmm. And... Fair enough if you're like, but the last game they made was in the future, which is fair. Yeah. But Activision have already said that this year's game is by Sledgehammer and it will take Call of Duty back to its roots, presumably because Battlefield 1 was such a success. But I don't exactly. want to say that's the exact reason. Oh, Maybe it's 100%. Up for a while. It's 100%. Battlefield 1 did really well. Like, as soon as that Battlefield 1 trailer came out and everyone was like, yeah, I'm ready to go back in time for this. That, like, everyone over at the Call of Duty camp was just like, Shit, we gotta do the same thing. Let's go back. Let's go back to World War Two. Let's let's go back there. Let's stop fucking around in the future. Let's go back and do what we we did best, but like ten, fifteen years ago. It'll be interesting. Like I I, yeah. I do honestly think it's true. I think it's legit. I yeah, I would be very surprised if it's not. Um, it absolutely makes sense for Activision mm-hmm. to do this as like the next Call of Duty. Yep. Can, and considering there won't be a battlefield this year, so they but they will sort of have. It, it'll be interesting because yeah. like it'll basically probably come out against. Battlefront 2. Yep. And they're going to be two completely different games, really. Exactly. So well, again, like Battlefield 1 and that Call of Duty were. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I suppose that's very true. Like, yeah, it'd be interesting I'm to gonna, see. I'm going to pick Star Wars, though. Oh, fucking A. Yeah, especially <laughs> if they throw a campaign in that. Hell it just sounds yeah. sounds like they are. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm in on that day one. Give me that fucking... Because I, Battle, I liked Battlefront when I played of it. I just... 
didn't have anyone else to play with by the time I bought it. So it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but um, I will absolutely, I'll, I'll give this game a look in if it if it's yeah, legit. Absolutely. Like I mean, for all the joking we make about things like you know Call of Duty and all sort of stuff, like. And even even to a to a certain degree, like oh, World War Two shooting Nazis. Exactly, yeah. Well, that was the joke for so long because it was like every everything was a World War Two shooter. But I mean, now it's like everything's a fucking space shooter. Like everything's like in the near future, everyone's got exoskeletons and they can jump around <laughs> and do fucking sweet parkour. Like, so it's kind of yeah. We, we've gone full circle. We've gone all the way around back to World it War Two. It always II. happens, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in in like another ten years' time, we're going to be going. Oh, fucking sick of World War Two! Can we go back to Sweet Parkour again? I don't know. Who knows? Oh boy. Okay. Shall we tackle this next one, Kyron? Oh. <laughs> I don't want to get too. I don't want to get too in depth with the whole thing, but I mean, all right. We'll, we, we might as well not pussyfoot around it. No. So obviously, the big one of the probably the biggest news story from the past week or so yeah has been the saga of jontron oh boy which has ultimately led to platonic deciding to remove his voice work from the final version of ukulele yep uh it's i mean in a way you, it's not surprising you can't blame him you can't blame them at all that's no. that's bad press really it's bad press for a game like ukulele that's had pretty much positive like like news surrounding it in its like development like everyone every time someone plays it they're like fucking ukulele that's a good game like i had a lot of fun playing that i can't wait to play the final release like that i haven't heard anyone say yeah but like i really from all the stuff that i've watched or seen or read it's all been from the from the toy box demo this game i am so excited yeah i'm so sad it comes out the week after persona yeah yeah it's okay i'm getting my switch copy so i don't know when i'm getting mine down the track i'm gonna I'm going to be committed to Persona, but I'm going to have to set aside like a night to play this, I think. Cause I just, just at least play like the to... first world or something like that. Just sort of get secret yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this, I, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. And John Tron himself tweeted out saying, best of luck with the game. Um, he basically said, I don't blame you like for that. Still didn't apologize, but that's another topic for another time. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, it, like I said, it makes sense. I, I don't, I don't, do not blame them whatsoever for them to go. Whoa, let's just throw a big old wet blanket over this before it explodes into a nasty fire. So, um, Platonic did have a statement that you should whip it. Okay, yep. Which I will read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it goes as follows: John Tron is a talented video presenter who we were initially two years ago happy to include as a voice contributor in our game. However, in light of his recent personal viewpoints, we have made the decision to remove John Tron's inclusion in a game in the game via a forthcoming content update. We would like to make it absolute make absolutely clear that we do not endorse or support John Tron's personal viewpoints and that as an external fan contributor, he does not represent Playtonic in any capacity. Playtonic is a studio that celebrates diversity in all forms and strives to make games that everyone can enjoy. As such, we deeply regret any implied association that could make players feel anything but 100% comfortable in our game worlds or distract from the incredible goodwill and love shown by our fans and Kickstarter backers. Which I think that yeah, pretty that's a really well put together puts statement. Yeah. Across. It's um, yeah, like it, it, it definitely like they've done the right thing here. I think 
Um, John Tron's been pretty graceful about it. I mean, like, it's no skin off his nose, really. Um, he's already probably copying quite a lot of... I mean, he's copying a lot of bad press, but he's also copying a lot of support from some people, which is the scary thing, but... Um, it's everything's usually go though. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I don't. It's it's a thing. We we can't really avoid it. But like, depending on which side of the fence you sit on for this discussion, you will probably gain support. Like that's, yep. that's how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. And whether or not you wanted it or not, like it's yeah, you're gonna you're, you're gonna attract people. I mean, go, yeah, you're right. Actually, and it's like, well, no, that's not what I wanted. But to go back to last week, we kind of saw a bit of that with the kind of funny stuff. Like yeah. they started getting some people going, Oh, I'm going to contribute to these guys because of this. Like, well, it's just, it happens. And the other thing is too, like, I mean, Collins, uh, launched his Kickstarter, uh, not Kickstarter, his Patreon last week for his thing. It's uh, called Collins last stand. It's going to be about history and, um, and politics and, it, and stuff as well. It did so well. He did. It I'm was happy like for him. The, the first two days he, he got like, I think like 12 grand. Like it's fucking nuts. Good on him. Um, yeah, so uh, that's what, and that's what everyone always said. Like everyone from Kind of Funny said, like Colin will be fine. We're going to be fine. Colin will be fine. Like there's nothing to worry about here. We're still going to include each other in our thing, each other's things. It's you know if if, if we can like schedule it around each other. Um, I, I, Colin was on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast this week as well. Like so he's he's, he's already doing really well for himself. Um, but yeah, that that's that's been sort of like the 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 good side of this argument, whereas John Tross has been sort of like, he went on that streamer, the debate streamer, and basically got destroyed, didn't, wasn't prepared, and for the, for the the onslaught that he copped, so. Yeah, he. I mean, he's since tried to clarify his views, but it's just, it's, it's a, one of those things. Yeah, it's too little too late, especially on, in a medium like Twitter, where you're trying to, like, you, it, it's, you've got 140 characters, and also, it's text. You can't convey tone. You can't convey emotion or anything like that in it. Which is what and it's yeah, it's so tedious to post like strings of tweets as well. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, but so if you're looking forward to seeing John Tron and ukulele, um, you're out of luck. I mean, hey, if you still want to, it does sound like it's a content update. So you. Might better play it unpatched if you really want to. By yeah, the sounds of it. If you're really that desperate to hear like John's based, voice, based on what the statement says, like because it says they're removing him via a forthcoming content update. So I'm guessing yep. maybe if you play unpatched, you'll still be there. I guess. Yeah. If you really want to, but like, you know, I think I'm like Platonic. Where it, they they made the right choice for them in this situation. Yeah, I think yeah. Like I said, they've thrown a they've thrown a blanket on top of this fire before it escalated and exploded into a bushfire or whatnot. Yeah. Um. Cool. I mean, not cool, but that's the news for this week. <laughs> Probably a better <laughs> oh. way to put it. Oh. Uh, let's take that one back. Yeah, um, it's been a it's been a couple of weeks, that's for sure. Oh yeah, it's been. There's so much stuff's happened, and like good and bad, and it's it's been just an exciting and bizarre year for games already and we're only like has. three months in like nearly four months in like crazy times it's definitely the craziest start to a year that i can remember honestly. yeah it's insane like god anyway cool Alrighty, so it's on to the questions part of the podcast now uh where we ask you guys for your comments questions anything you'd like us to answer talk about discuss uh much like again friend of the show broadcourt is writes to us this week and he says do different games have different and unfair expectations placed upon them 
why does it seem like Bioware is getting raked over the coals for falling short with its subpar animations and voice acting, while Bethesda has similar problems with little backlash, and Nintendo continues to avoid, uh, avoid voice acting almost entirely in many of its biggest franchises, also without much criticism. Um, so, I said before that I wanted to bring up some other thoughts I have about Mass Effect again. Um, and it relates to this question, basically. So, my thoughts are the fact that I feel like Mass Effect Andromeda feels like a very dated game. That's probably the best way to put it. It feels like a game that would have fit in perfectly six years ago on the PS3. Like, it would have been, like, totally at home then because we wouldn't have had these expectations. What I think's happened, and Greg Miller basically said this as well on, on like, the Kind of Funny Morning Show or something I was watching, um, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about this game. Um, he's like, this game has probably gone into development um, at the end of, like, the last uh, Mass Effect game. They've been developing this game, developing this game, and in that time frame, the state of the industry has changed so much, and people's expectations and standards for what is the norm of a game of that type um, have changed and maybe been set a little bit higher, and now this game's come out, and they're like, oh, well, this is what we've got. Um, here it is. And people are like, well, it's not really up to standard of what we've got now. But, I mean, if you have that in your mind going, it, it, it's just it feels like a game from, from six years ago. That's what I feel like this is. And Fallout 4 is absolutely uh, prone to that as well. That game is very much feels like... It feels like it feels like a Fallout Three again, uh, which is not a bad thing because it's it's good, but it didn't set the world on fire. I mean, at the time, I think it did. I think it did more so for, because of the hype surrounding it, building up That's to true. it, um, like the, and that the fact that they were like, "Here we are in June. It's going to come out in November," and everyone's like, "Yeah, bullshit! It's coming out in November," and then it fucking did. And it came out, and for the most part, it worked. Like it, it like it had its typical Bethesda um, quirks. But again, yeah, well, the release back to this question. That's what I'm going to bring up. So, yeah. I mean, we, when we're talking about the, the Mass Effect Andromeda situation with its animation and voice acting and stuff, and it's interesting that Broad brings up Bethesda, and I, I don't want to sound too mean when I say this. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. But when I pick up a new Bethesda game, specifically when I picked up Fallout 4 as yep. our most recent example, I went into that game knowing that I was not going to enjoy most of the writing and the conversations and the, and just the general glitches yep. were going to be there. And I guess for Mass Effect, after Mass Effect 3, and even, honestly, Dragon Age, Dragon Age Inquisition, I was just kind of yeah. like, no, Bioware, buy... I'd, I'd, See here, I like I, I don't want to be looking down on Bethesda going. Bioware's up here. What are you guys doing? Yeah, but no, it's but you're right though. You're absolutely right. You know what you're getting into with the Bethesda Fallout game. You know that like it's it's going to be like it's it's like the the equivalent of like it's the RPG equivalent of a like a, a popcorn movie that you go like a big action blockbuster. You're gonna have fun with it. You're gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be dumb and pulpy, but at the end of the day, you know what you're getting into when, when you buy that ticket or that game. Yeah, absolutely. But so here's the, here's the part that I definitely wanted to talk about, and I'm not sure. I don't know how much of it is like actually an issue, but I found it interesting when you go to sort of dig into see who developed Andromeda, mm-hmm. and it, it sort of turns up that it seems like most of the work was done by Mass uh, Bioware Montreal, right? 
Now, again, maybe there's, the studios are pretty close, but the, the people who basically made the original Mass Effect trilogy and who are currently working on a new IP, mm-hmm. which we're probably going to see in a couple of months at E3, Most likely. Are, are Bioware Edmonton. Right. But So that's fine. So fine, Bioware Edmonton made the first three games and Bioware Montreal made this one. But when you look at the box art, it just says Bioware. Yep. And I guess maybe that was just to simplify things, but it, and maybe I'm just being cynical, but it does sort of feel like EA was just like, and it's by Bioware. Here's a new Mass Effect game. Here's the thing, though. Do, do all the Ubisoft, do they have their specific names on? I know. No. No. I don't think they do. Because 2K and, normally do when they had all their million branches. Like they oh usually boy. have, yeah. <laughs> you had like your different 2Ks, and that was always in the splash screen at the start and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, I, I guess it's not. But yeah, it, it it is rough when you sort of look at it and go, Bioware are better than this. And it's like, well, this is essentially the B team making this game. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And I guess um, that brings in that plays into the question. Like, would we have considered it differently if it was like, hey, this is by Bioware Montreal, like not the main Bioware team. And I don't want to sound mean, but I may have been like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, good job. Like, like, as, like as, as, you know, it's not easy to tackle a Mass Effect game. Like, no, it's a huge God, undertaking. No. Especially when you're going off the back of like three again, regardless of what you think of the last game, the the journey from one to three, not that I played much of one, but like the journey of that, that storyline was awesome. It was spectacular. It had amazing moments in it, mainly the suicide mission from Mass Effect 2, but... That's still one of the greatest moments in video games. It's just, like, it is, it is, it is up there with one of the best, like, best moments in a video game that I've ever experienced. When that theme song kicks in... Oh... Jesus Christ! The game. suicide mission theme is probably one of my favorite pieces of music from recent games. And the setup of that, though, is that it's pretty much from like the start of the game. It's like, yeah, basically you're 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 setting up to do a, go on a suicide mission. Everything you do is going to culminate in a suicide mission that you might not make it out of. Yeah, and it's like absolutely fuck. That is well, oh, no pressure. Okay, like and yeah, immediately Mass Effect Three was just like, how are you going to follow that up, guys? Yeah, exactly. Pick a couple. But, um, so. Brod also does bring up the Nintendo thing, which has been discussed a lot. Yeah. Specifically last week, it was when we were discussing like the Jim Sterling stuff with the Zelda review and all that. Mm-hmm. People have been asking like, are Nintendo reviews sort of done on their own sort of scale? Um, look, it's something that probably is worth thinking about. Like, not that I think it's true. Yeah. Like, Zelda was. It was special. The voice acting wasn't spectacular, no. but I think it was also used like sparsely enough that it didn't interfere. It still, it was still captivating enough. There were only a couple of points where I was like, "Ugh, I'm not really interested in like what that, per- how that person sounds." Mainly Mifa. Like I didn't like her voice actor whatsoever, but like I liked, I quite, I quite liked Zelda's. Um, all the 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 other three like heroes from the Divine Beasts were all great. I really liked them. Like. Um, Ravali and uh, Daruk were awesome, and um, I can't remember the other one's name. The Gerudo girl, um, she was great as well. Yeah, uh, I think the thing is here, at least my takeaway is, when I think about like expectations I have for a Bioware game, I'm going in there for like for good character interactions and like a compelling narrative. Mm-hmm. And if, if that game's going to throw at me some like shoddy animations and some bad writing, I'm definitely going to think worse of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it might, like we've said multiple times in this episode, it's still a good game. It is a it's good fun. game. It's fun. I'm interested where the story's going, all that sort of stuff. But you can't overlook the fact that this stuff is apparent and rife throughout this game. And, like, I mean, looking back, if we're just talking about us at a base level, like, um, looking back when we talk about Zelda, like, we addressed the fact that there are frame rate issues. We addressed that the voice acting's not very good. We uh, addressed all these different things that weren't as great. But And I do agree that maybe the way that people review and, and look at Nintendo games is through, like, rose-colored glasses, like, tinted with nostalgia. Um, but that's, that's, like, so many people grew up with Nintendo. Exactly. It's going to be hard, not hard to. to avoid. Yeah. It's so hard not to, like, to look at it and go, I, I don't think Zelda suffers from that. I don't, I've a Breath of the Wild, sorry, suffers from that. I think that can stand on its own because there are a lot of people that probably have never played a Zelda game before that are playing this game and going, holy fucking shit, this is well, incredible. I think that's what we're sort of heading towards now. We're heading towards eras where people who may not have played Nintendo games are going to start playing Nintendo games. Yeah, like, It's exactly. interesting. Yeah, like these, these people, like the people who grew up on Nintendo, their kids are going to start. They're going to be introduced to them through their parents going, you need to sit down and play Super Mario Brothers 3 because it's a fucking classic. I mean, maybe. like, we have, to, we have to remember that like Nintendo, as much as I love them, and I will buy all their stuff. Like, oh, yeah. they've had some shaky hardware, so true. maybe a lot of people that are coming up now won't have played much Nintendo games. That's true. Yeah, I guess. I mean, when you like, a lot of people didn't buy Wii U's, and even the Wii, like, as good as well as that sold, like, it wasn't really for those hardcore games. No, exactly. And it was, it was, it was the majority of those sales were to a different market. Exactly. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, sort of interested to see where it's going to head now. Yeah, it is. I think the Switch is a good step in the right direction. But um, yeah, I, I still personally believe that Zelda has earned the scores it's gotten. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And, and that, like on that the topic, in, that includes like Jim Sterling's as well. That is yeah. absolutely like all the scores that he's gotten. Because again, it comes down to the fact that they are opinion pieces. But really, what it comes down to it, it is someone's opinion. A review is someone's opinion on that game. Um, and you usually read reviews of people or watch reviews of uh, from people who you sort of go, oh, they were right about this one when I, I watched their review and I played that game. So I'm going to trust them more because I, I feel like I'm on the same wavelength as them. So if you're on the same wavelength as Jim Sterling, if you're going into that, going looking to him for like actual advice about whether or not you want to play this game, then of course it's going to make more sense to you. So yeah. I mean, these games like Zelda and Mass Effect aren't even the first to sort of have this sort of people sit there and go, hmm, that's that's interesting. Like when looking at the review scores, like it was only a couple of months ago that people were doing the exact same thing for Final Fantasy XV and The Last Guardian going, yeah. these games have been like, especially Last Guardian, as much as I love it, like yep. the complaints that people have with that game, are they're pretty on the level and I completely get them. Yep. Uh but it was still like, oh man, it was still like my game of the year or tied for game of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I from the, the opposite spectrum, like from what I played of it, I can see why you, you would uh, appreciate and like that game so much. But yeah, for me, I couldn't get past those barriers that I was trying to get past to get into that game. I just couldn't do it, um, which is a shame. But uh, yeah, it's... It's tough because I like to think that, you know, the reviewers are as, as fair to games as they can be, but it's some like that's why they're reviews, really. Sometimes maybe you do have unfair expectations. Like my expectations of Mass Effect Andromeda were probably unfair because I just remember so much of the trilogy 
and yeah. go, oh, I loved it. Yeah, exactly. And then I've come into Andromeda and I'm kind of like talking to these characters and they just sort of look like robots and I'm just like, okay, I'm not digging this, not crazy about it. I think you're right, though, bringing up the fact that it is by, like, Bioware Montreal, dude, most of the heavy lifting here. It, yeah, had like we it, known that from the start, I feel like we would have been like, oh, that's janky as fuck. But I guess, you know, it's the B team doing it. And not not in a derogatory way, like, not in a, like, trying to play it off. It's just like, oh, well, it's like someone who's new to the franchise. It's 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 almost like Bungie leaving Halo and then 343 coming in and stepping into their shoes. Except that was much more publicized and much more on the level people knew about that. So, um, and I, I, I know again, sorry, broad, but from what most people uh, that I've spoken to about Halo four, they didn't really like it as much. And it was just mainly um, cause it was in a different direction. My stance on Halo four is still, but it was fun, but I didn't engage with the story. Right. Uh, so just, just for the, for the sake of it, um, basically, the general consensus seems to be that Mass Effect Andromeda was developed by roughly a team of like over 200 people across yep. Bioware, Austin, Edmonton, and Montreal. Okay. But Bioware's general manager, Aaron Flynn, noted that many of the developers working on the project were from the original trilogy team, but predominantly it was being it was de- developed by Montreal. They had complete creative control over it because Edmonton is making a new IP. So, I don't know... To answer the question, though, yes, I had unfair expectations for this. Oh, yeah. Maybe I was a bit more forgiving of Zelda purely because the voice work wasn't its core focus. Like, I didn't go to Zelda going, I hope it's got good voice acting because I'm here for a well-voiced story. I'm here to play a good Zelda game. And that stuff I got right. Mass Effect, I came for a good story and some, like, compelling character interactions and it just has not quite delivered there. Yeah, and and I think that the whole idea behind, like, you know, Nintendo not really jumping into doing voice acting stuff is like because they haven't needed to and they don't they they probably know that it's something that they don't want to shoehorn in there um and have to do it do it do it poorly yeah so like they'd rather focus on making the core game itself a much better experience i guess there Um, are two sides to the to the nintendo voice acting coin there's there's metroid other m oh god which i still oh i still remember god Again, like a lot of it comes down to voice direction, but I just feel like they didn't didn't nail that. But the other side of the coin for the voice acting I really liked is the original Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii. Right. Okay. With um with Shulk and everyone's amazing British accents. Like I actually really enjoyed the voice acting in that I'm game. I'm really feeling it. He is really feeling it, Joel. It's important <laughs> that he's really feeling it. Now it's Ryan time. <laughs> oh no. Um. No. What's the best one? It's uh. Man, what a bunch of jokers! <laughs> but to be fair, like I, apart from those like those bite-sized bits, like the voice acting in that game, I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. So they can do it. I guess it just comes down to voice direction. And for Zelda, they didn't quite nail it. But the Zelda part of Zelda, which is what I came for, exactly. they did right. They, exactly. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. Trying to. Just, the question is is multifaceted. It really is, yeah. And I feel like it's got what, layers. <laughs> I feel like that's why the question was asked. I feel like it was a, there was a, a prompting a, a a very in depth discussion about that. So I hope it was. Well, I hope we delivered. Yeah, I hope so as well. I, it was good. <laughs> it was a good, and it was it worked out well too. Like relating it back into Mass Effect as well. Like I, because yeah, that's how I feel about the game. I feel the game is. It feels like a game that would have fit in right at home six or so years ago. Um, 
maybe it's like a launch title for the PS4. I don't know. Like, um, even then, it's yeah. It just feels a little dated. It feels like it's come out of a time capsule, and I feel like it's it, because it is rough in its development cycle. Uh, the the industry has changed so much, um, and things like The Witcher coming out and setting like a higher standard. Even The Witcher had its problems as well, but like that is sort of the bar that people sort of look at now in terms of as far as like that sort of character like, animation goes, oh, like yeah. especially especially in like the smallest of cutscenes. Like if you just look at those two games side by side, which I'm pretty sure there are videos out there for, like there are so many little things that the characters do when you're talking to them in The Witcher that just blows my mind. Absolutely, yeah. So um, when that game has a bug, I'm just like, yeah, but look at all of this. Yeah, and then you look like, at the look fucking at the quest design behind that game. Like, that's the reason why I can't play that game. It's just, it's way too overwhelming for me. Every, um, every quest is important in that game, and that's amazing. And it's, they're all so different, and they're all so, like, layered as well. It's, yeah. There's so much, there's so much lore to them, so much story. Mm, yeah. You never just, like, even if you're doing something as stupid as, hey, go kill that monster. It's like, hey, go kill that monster. Here's the here's the family of the person that it murdered, yep. and they're in mourning, and they want this. And you're like, whoa, I'm engaged. Okay, here on. we go. Yeah, that's why I'm Meanwhile, excited for I'm excited for uh, Cyberpunk because I feel like that'd be a game that's in like, the same sort of, the sort of setting that I'm interested in. I know you don't like fantasy, Joel. I don't. Sometimes I don't <laughs> like it. It's just not as appealing to me as say, like, <laughs> I don't know, Cyberpunk, like near future, 2077. I don't know. That kind of thing make, makes me more excited. That's which is why I like Mass Effect more than say Dragon Age. Like that's the other reason as well, which is why I'm sort of going to persist through. I probably Mass Effect Andromeda more so than I did with Dragon Age Inquisition because I feel like the setting and and like the combat and stuff is a little bit more my my type. But oh, boy. I mean, my favorite Bioware game is still Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, and I think mine's if you go ma- back my, to that, mine's Mass Effect the animation too. isn't ideal but i guess that game came out a long time ago exactly so it gets a bit more of a pass but yeah it's 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 rough it's it's unfortunate because again i am enjoying a lot of andromeda it's just there are things that definitely worth it if you've if you've played any of the series or you're like vaguely interested in the series it is you should play it 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 is worth playing but maybe play it during a a drought or something like yeah. at a quieter point in the year. Yeah, like just maybe that say set it aside for the moment. There's no real immediate need, to especially with Persona by. in like oh in like a week. God, oh my god! Oh Everyone god. play Persona. Do it. Everyone play Persona Four Golden. Like in this. Everyone next play week. Persona Three Fes. I want to, Karen. I just I don't have my PS3 here. I can't do exactly. That. So that's why I'm saying everyone play Persona Five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because Everyone's to jump play in, Persona, it's all be on the level. To play P3, you need either a PS2 or a PS3. And to play P4 Golden, or even Persona 4, you need a PS3 or a Golden, need a Vita. And who owns a Vita? I do. I do too, but there's no real reason to buy it beyond Golden. It was, oh, it's so good. It's one of my favorite games. Anyway, Kyron, we should probably wrap this one up, shouldn't we? I suppose we should, Joel. Yeah, I, I think, I think, thank you very much for your question, Brod. It was, uh, it was good. It was very good. <laughs> uh, I just want to extend a, an olive branch to Broad. I listened to the latest episode of Hunting Hunting Seasons. <laughs> I still respect you. I understand if you don't enjoy Twin Peaks, it's fine. That's fine. I need to watch Twin Peaks so I can actually weigh in on this discussion. Um, we probably should actually <laughs> give him a bit of a shout out as well. Like, uh, if you like TV shows uh, and watching TV shows and binge watching TV shows as well, um, 
Broad uh, runs a podcast with uh, another friend of ours, Damask, uh, and sometimes his brother Liam as well. Um, they do a podcast called Hunting Seasons, which is a podcast where they, uh, I think the way they describe it is they tackle uh, TV series they haven't watched one season at a time. So I probably murdered the way that you deliver that, Broad. You do it so well every week. Um, the, the, in the past, the, the main one that they've done recently has been they did all five seasons of Breaking Bad. Uh, they just finished up with those ones. Um, they've also covered, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, they've done another show called Dead Like Me, and now they're doing Twin Peaks, um... They did Westworld as well. And Westworld as well, uh, yeah, so if you like that kind of stuff, they definitely go and listen to those guys, they are really great, and they are very, they know their stuff when it comes to, like, how things are written in terms of, like, and how things are created for, like, TV and film, um, they're very, very, very knowledgeable in that kind of stuff. And it's very interesting Absolutely. to listen to. Um, so yeah, big shout out to those guys. Go and check them out. Hunting Seasons. They're on Facebook, on all the socials, and also on iTunes and all places you find podcasts as well. Oh, awesome. I felt like we needed to give him a bit of a plug. We did. Yeah. And, we, and we, again, this episode, this, the episode this week was good. It was. Don't feel bad, Brod. It was, it was interesting to listen to. <laughs> It's good to hear other people's perspectives, like you know, like yeah, us, absolutely. Saying that you know, and like I, like I, I said to him today, I was talking to him, like his his complaints are reasonable. Like yeah. he has good points, absolutely, and that's that's the important thing. Like as long as you've got good points, it's like, well, look, I see where you're coming from, exactly, and that's what everyone should feel like. You know, just to finish on a nice positive note, everyone should just we all just get along a little bit better if we just went. Actually, I kind of see your point of view. I don't agree, but I see where you're coming from. Let's all just be cool. Yeah, love and respect. Oh, that's, that's another good thing too. If you're interested in that, Easy Allies, go and listen to those guys because they're awesome. We love them. We talk about them all the time. We reference them all the time. Uh, they just they had their one year anniversary. One. Yes. Lovely, 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 lovely people. Uh, they, I'm acting like we know them personally. We don't. But, <laughs> I mean, we are... Michael Huber is following us both on Twitter. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. We're practically like... Yeah, best friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're kind of you know we're part of. The seriously, they, they are a cool bunch of dudes to yeah. to listen. They're Go passionate on. about video games, and uh, it makes me more passionate about video games to listen to them talk about exactly. them. Exactly. I mean, well, I I tweeted about this this week that they're the reason they're one of the reasons why we sort of got off our asses and decided to make this podcast because we were listening to them talk about them just getting out there and doing stuff like just going no matter how bad it is they just went out and did things that they think was going to help them in the long run. And we sort of well, listened to that. We're like, we should fucking do this podcast we've been talking about. And then we, it was all you know downhill from there. <laughs> hey, we'll turn one soon, man. Our, we will. Our, yeah. Our one anniversary is coming up yeah, in we, a couple of months. We should try and figure out what we're going to do for that too. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be around you three, man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we keep saying this. Oh, boy. All right. Well, Karen, would you like to wrap this one up for us, please? Sure thing. Thanks for listening to Dialogue Options this week. My my good friends, if you're out there listening still, uh, thanks for getting to this point. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, you can find us on Facebook if you just search Dialogue Options. You can follow us on Twitter, at Dialogue Options, and you can even swing us a little email to dialogueoptions at gmail.com if you want to just drop a question there, ask us, well, tell us to play something. Again, I'm always, I always want to be told to play more stuff. Maybe yeah. not right now, maybe in like a month or so when I have time. But uh, mm. yeah, if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, you can follow me at X 
And for my good friend Joel, you can find at Jolly Mac. And yeah, that about does it for this week, I guess, Joel. So I guess, as always, we'll let our wonderful theme song by Azure Flux strike, which is Get Bitches, take us out. And uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.